Hello! Welcome everyone to the Rotten Horror Picture Show, the horror movie podcast where we talk about films off the Rotten Tomatoes 200 Best Horror Movies of All Time list. I am the withering husk of clay, <laughs> and with me as always is Amanda. How are you doing, Amanda? I am not a withering husk, unlike some people in this room. Yeah, I'm. Uh, my voice is uh, has been gone for two weeks. Thank you, COVID. And it shows no signs of returning. No, it's um, it's really strange. And hopefully, <laughs> this is our last. This is going to be our last regular show of the year. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, when you next hear me, I uh, I will sound better. <laughs> I will sound clear. Mm. And uh, I was going to go real dark, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Are you going to ask Santa for a new voice? For yeah, Christmas? hopefully I won't that... be stuck in a chimney somewhere. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, today, we are do- this is our Christmas episode. I, I, I had said last time I was- have some, um, like, jingle bells going in the background when we say this? No, I don't put that much work into these. <laughs> <clears throat> if I was going to do that, it would need to be, like, in the moment. Mm. Um, no, my jingle bell guy is not available. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, you just looked him up, yeah. saw that he was booked full for the season. It's a busy time for him. Yeah. But uh, we uh, uh, originally didn't have any Christmas movies left on the list because mm. we had done uh, Black Christmas. Yep. And we had done Rare Exports. Yep. We had done Better Watch Out. Oh, right. And it's yeah. only at this point that you should realize we've been doing this for almost five years. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> And uh, but thankfully, the one plus from the massive overhaul of our mm-hmm. list is that they added Gremlins to the list. Yes. So uh, that's what we're doing today. We're doing Gremlins from 1984, number 134 on our list. It has an 86 mm-hmm. percent Rotten Tomato score, 78 percent audience score. Uh, I'm going to assume you'd had seen this before. You know, I have seen this before because we have group watched this together in the past. That's true. You know, years and years ago. It's funny how time works, right? <laughs> because like yes. when you're a kid, mm-hmm. when you're 15, mm-hmm. right? 10 years is a big chunk of your life. Yeah, it's two thirds of your life. Yes. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and now years feel like days because they yes. don't mean anything. Yes. Because it's such a smaller, smaller portion of your life. Because we watched this, um, we used to, we during quarantine, we did a group movie watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would talk over the, the Google. And um, we had watched this, and that was, in and of itself, four years ago. Yes. And when this came up, I was like, I don't know, we just watched that. Yeah. Four <laughs> years ago. Yes. Yeah, which is a reasonable amount of time between watchings of a movie yeah i think honestly i think it's I mean, kind I of watch silence of the lambs like once a month so wow i don't know man all right it's a perfect movie sure well i shouldn't talk i'm the person who used to when i was in college i would watch american psycho once a Ooh. week as my first movie in my two movie all-nighter double feature i would do wow <clears throat> we're both messed up people. yeah yes <laughs> This is this is therapy for us. Yes. Um, and then before that, I had seen mm. I had actually gone to see this at the Brattle in Cambridge. Oh, fun! With uh, our friend Dave. And Did his everybody kids. make uh, the popcorn buckets into helmets? Unfortunately, and put no. The paper bags in their ears and scream the whole time. Unfortunately, no. I, I wish they had. He did have our friend Dave did bring his three kids with him, so they kind of felt uh, that for Ah, they were the gremlins. <clears throat> um, but I do think it kind of speaks to, um. 
I don't know if I want to call it, say the quality of the movie or it's just, it's a very memorable movie yeah. in that when I thought about it, I was like, oh, I just watched that. I could, I remember everything about it, even though I hadn't watched it in four years. I have a slightly different take because I remember, I remember things once, once it all starts to ramp up. Sure. I definitely remember things. I never remember the beginning of this movie. Yeah. I never remember like the opening, the kind of cold open with the dad. Yes. Yeah. For some reason that just does not stick out in my head. And then every time I start this movie, I'm like, maybe I've never seen Gremlins. Well, I mean, it is the most dynamic part of the film. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're going to take a quick break and play you the trailer and then we'll be back to talk about Gremlins. What is it? It's your new pet. <laughs> Number one, you got to keep him out of bright light. Number two, keep him away from water. This is incredible. And probably the most important thing, don't ever feed him after midnight. Billy, what are these things? Gremlins. How come a cute little guy like this can turn into a thousand ugly monsters? That was Mrs. Deagle. I'll bet every kid in America would like to have one. They might even replace the dog as the family pet. You know, maybe this is just me in a chrysalis. Um, stage this evolving your, your pupil stage into my final <laughs> radio voice form. It's going to be Oliver Reed, be, I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, or like Wolfman Jack. It's just going to get oh. real deep. Be talking about all the swinging hits. What is what is the radio DJ in this movie? Oh, I can't is it remember. Rockin' Ricky uh, something? It is. It is because uh, he is in the credits and it his name is... Killing time, killing time. His name is is like rock, rocking, rocking Ricky Rialto. Yeah, I was close. I got the first two. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Hmm. Gremlins, directed by Joe Dante, written by Chris Columbus, starring Zach Galligan, Phoebe Cates, Hoyt Axton, Kai Luke, Corey Feldman. Dick Corey Feldman is the one that I always forget is in this. Yes, because the the Corey Feldman reveal in this movie is kind of amazing. Yeah, he's a um, great part for him. As a Christmas tree. Dick Miller, who's in every Joe Dante movie, at least up until his death. Uh, Polly Holiday, Mike from Breaking Bad, the voices of Megatron, Optimus Prime, <laughs> the sound effects guy from Police Academy, and Howie Mandel, mm. and everyone's favorite fake television courtroom host, Jay Reinhold. <laughs> Amanda, what happens in Gremlins? A young man inadvertently breaks three important rules concerning his new pet and unleashes a horde of malevolently mischievous monsters on a small town. I I don't know how I feel about that jumping directly to the rules portion. I mean... I mean, I guess it... If he'd followed the rules... Yeah, it. I guess it kind of undercuts the, the... It's not like it was a dog, you know? <laughs> It's not like he he broke the three rules of owning a ferret. It does make it sound like like yeah he had some some beta fish in a tank and he broke the rules and they all went nuts and started to destroy the town. Can't get those beta fish wet. <laughs> well, Clay, some things you'll find in Gremlins include mm-hmm. caroling Gremlins, flasher Gremlins, 
Flasher Gremlin. Poker Wait, Gremlins. Wait, hold on. Back up, back up, back up. Sorry. You got to do it in character. I, I don't know what the character is. Yes, you do. No, I can't. The Key and Peele character. I can't do that character. Only, only Jordan Peele can do that character. <laughs> I will do my best white girl approximation, and I will read this in my normal voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Caroling Gremlins, Flasher Gremlin, Poker Gremlins, Mugger Gremlin, Bogart Gremlin, Flashdance Gremlin. Uh, <laughs> the most hilariously dark dead parent story ever told. Mm-hmm. Major innovations in home appliances. Yes. That, I think the the one scene that um, I get more out of every time I watch this is mm-hmm. when he goes to the convention. Yes. The, the phone call yes. sequence. Yeah, yeah. The background kind of <clears throat> gags while he's on the phone back home to yeah. the family. This is... We'll get into this more, but this is the kind of movie where um, even though the person driving the ship mm-hmm. above the director was Steven Spielberg, and mm-hmm. this was made for a major studio, this feels like a movie where no one was paying attention to what they were yes. doing. Yeah, like there were a lot of things snuck in there that the studio didn't realize what he was doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the only screening of Snow White I ever want to attend. Yes. <laughs> Have you ever seen Snow White in the theater? I think I might have when I was a kid. In 1937? 1937. Yeah, I mean, you sound like it. I know. This is the sound of a <laughs> hundred years of dust collecting inside a human larynx. Uh, Academy Award winning dog acting. Best dog acting I have ever seen. That dog is a once in a human generation talent. What's sad about it? Don't say it. He's he's long dead. Don't, <laughs> just, you don't say it though. Let me live in ignorance. No, what's sad about it is I don't know if I want to say it's sad, but I want to say let's, let me rephrase this. Mm. It is a testament to the effectiveness of practical special effects mm. because the dog is good at acting because he's reacting in the way a dog yes. would to being freaked out by a gremlin. Yes. Oh. <laughs> uh. Gremlin-sized clothes, gremlin-sized accessories, yep. gremlin-sized guns, and a gremlin-sized chainsaw. Yep, get them all at Sears. Well, yep. not anymore, but... And um, pretty good parenting. Yeah, not yeah. bad. Probably yeah. some of the best parenting we've come across, Pretty, pretty, pretty loving, caring, attentive parents. Yes. Yeah. So, <clears throat> this is a Christmas movie. Y- yes. That came out in June of 1984, the same week, same weekend as Ghostbusters. Apparently, it was supposed wow. to come out... At Christmas, but Warner Brothers realized they didn't have anything to go up against uh, Ghostbusters and a couple other big ones that were coming out that summer. That's so interesting because I feel like nowadays, and this could be my misconception or just the fact that like Disney and Disney properties have gotten so huge. Yeah, I feel like now stu- smaller studios will purposely move things yeah. to not compete. Yes. I think because the money is so big now yeah. that like, well, with the exception of maybe they'll change after Barbenheimer, I'm not sure, but <laughs> I think people, I think they started thinking yeah. only one movie is going to have 500 million at the box office this weekend. Right. And everything else is going to get like virtually nothing. Right. And so if we want a chance, well, I mean, maybe it just makes you look like you don't believe in your product but yeah it seems like they do try to stagger them so it's like all right we'll let avatar have this weekend mm-hmm. so we can have the fall two weekends later when nothing's coming out yeah because th- wasn't like the, the most recent mission impossible movie wasn't tom cruise or somebody involved in that kind of pissed 
that it was like yes. scheduled to come out right when Oppenheimer was coming yeah, out like two it, weeks later and taking bumped. all the screens. It got bumped from IMAX specifically yeah. is what they were mad about. Yeah, which I understand because like a Mission Impossible movie is a spectacle that must be really fun to see in IMAX. Yeah. And, you know, you're going to lose a, a big chunk of your audience if they can't see it in that way. They're going to say, eh, I'll just wait for it to come out on streaming. Yeah, not to get, you know, do a deep box office theory quarter here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think why it's, not? It's Christmas. Give yourself a gift. Yes, the gift of numbers, <laughs> theoretical numbers that no one cares about. More math in this podcast. But I think um, Marvel kind of reinvigorated <clears throat> like February and March mm. because traditionally February is like if a movie's coming out in February, it's bad. Like that's oh. the dumping the dumping ground for movies is February. Is that because like? <clears throat> It's just a season. It's a. It's assumed people don't want to go to the movie. I guess. Or is it like you're yeah. not? You're you're gonna miss out on Oscar consideration or something. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Weird. For whatever reason, if it was if it's a movie coming out in February, probably the the studio does not have a lot of faith in it. Let's put it that way. Huh. <clears throat> but uh, Marvel started putting out movies in February, mm. and they were doing crazy. It's because yeah. there's nothing else out. Yeah. And so everybody would go to see the the one good movie coming out in February. Yeah, absolutely. If there's a if there's a movie coming out that's a giant spectacle and literally nothing else is playing. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I do find the the release date of Gremlins interesting because uh, not to um, relitigate the <laughs> oldest and most annoying Christmas argument there is, <laughs> but one of the arguments I've heard against Die Hard being a Christmas movie. Hmm. is that it didn't open at Christmas. Oh, come on. <clears throat> hey, the people who are delusional look for anything they can find. I, you know, we will talk about Gremlins during this episode. We will. We're getting there. <laughs> We're getting, We're getting there. there. We're warming up. We're easing into it. Um, I could talk all night. Can't you hear it? That's right. Maybe I should hold this, we hold this thought. We don't need to conserve. little of a voice you have. Yeah. But I will accept other, argu- I think Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Yeah. If you want to argue that for various reasons, I will listen to those arguments. Some of them I will even say, you know what? That's an interesting opinion or that, that I can see where you're coming from. Just because it didn't open during Christmas, that's a, that's a bullshit reason. It is. Yeah. You know what else didn't open during Christmas? Gremlins. Gremlins and Miracle on 34th Street came out really? in August. You serious? Yes. Wow. I, I looked that stat up a long time so ago. So fuck you, <laughs> yeah. diehard disenthusiasts. I looked it up a long time ago because I did get into this argument with yeah. someone one time. <laughs> um, but yes, Gremlins. Hmm. Uh, the, I found, I realized watching this last night. Mm-hmm. I find movies like this mm-hmm. and... Black Christmas, mm-hmm. specifically those two. The other ones that we've we've covered, the other Christmas ones, like Rare Exports. <clears throat> this maybe this is going to be controversial. <gasps> Rare Exports is a movie that is like Christmassy, mm. but I don't consider I, it doesn't feel like a Christmas movie to me. Do you think part of that's because it doesn't really reflect like? The style of Christmas we're all used to as like Americans. Yes, yeah. I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, because um, I know in Finland or Norway or wherever this that movie was made, Christmas is all about naked old men. It's in the all woods. about naked old men and yeah. killing giants and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know whatever else they do out there. Yeah. Mary Louise and all to keep that. the sun from not going down forever or whatever it is. Yeah, <clears throat> you do what you got to do. But um, I uh, 
what was the other one? Better Watch Out, Christmas movie, sort of. Yeah. But it doesn't, neither one of those have what this movie has mm-hmm. and what Black Christmas has, mm-hmm. which is it's really keyed in to the, um, what's the best way to put this? <clears throat> the relatable human side of Christmas mm. in terms of like experiencing and spending the holiday. Sure. Like I was watching this last night and I realized the gre- this is based the, the most Christmassy thing about this movie mm. is that the gremlins are Gizmo's shitty family. Yes. <laughs> that he has to deal with during the yes. holidays. Yes. <clears throat> this is like this yeah. is like this is like two steps away from National Lampoon's and Christmas vacation. And it's like vacation. there's too many group activities and everyone's getting way too drunk. Yep. And you really just want to like go in a quiet room for a little while <laughs> and like scroll through your phone without anybody screaming at you. But if you do that, they're going to notice and then they're going to chase you and they're going to pin you to a wall and start throwing darts at you. Yeah, your older cousins are going to yeah. push you into the closet. And- <laughs> yeah. That's a great point. And, and I think the other thing is if you've had the sort of you know, kind of gen- general generic American Christmas in your in your past, especially as a kid growing up. Yeah. A lot of this stuff feels familiar where it's like everybody's at home, you're with your family. Like, for instance, I always forget that Billy is like an adult. Yes. That he's probably 20-something young, young, yeah. maybe 21, 22, but he is an adult. He works a full-time job at a bank. Yeah. Like, he's not going to school. He's not... I always forget that because it feels natural, even though he's still in his childhood room. Because it's Christmas time, it feels, like, totally normal to me that you'd be yeah. back in your parents' house for, like, several nights in a row staying with your family because it's the holidays. Right. So, like, I never question it. Like, why is this... I mean, the the obvious, like, real narrative reason is that, like, financially, his parents need him to, to like, right. help with an income and, like, help support the family. Judge Reinhold even points that out. Um, which, is, which is an inverse mm-hmm. from what it was when I was a 20-something aspiring <laughs> artist living at my parents' house, which is I very much needed them. Yes, but you were, you were still doing the full-time art thing. Yes. You were not working at a bank. No, probably no. should have been, but I wasn't. <laughs> eh. Debatable. Um, they don't write Batman at banks, yeah. baby. <laughs> uh, but you could have brought your dog with you. No, I could not have. <laughs> but yeah, there, there are all of those sort of, I don't know, there's like the mundanely familiar holiday stuff. They, 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 the setting and the sets are very kind of like too perfect Christmas. Like there's yeah. always perfect pristine white snow everywhere. Yeah. People are always in sort of like... I don't know. There's, you know, they're selling the Christmas trees in the town square, and there's like Christmas lights everywhere. It's very decked out, but like it's it's also very mundane. It gets very normal stuff. You're seeing like very normal people in a weird way. Like, unlike Better Watch Out, where wasn't it that the the boy she was babysitting his his family was kind of well wealthy. Oh yeah, the like house they, is huge. Yeah, they yeah. live in this giant, beautiful mansion, and they're going off to some gala yeah. or something. And um, in Rare Exports, like we were saying, it's it's a Norwegian film, right? right. Or was it Finnish? I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Scandinavian what, over there. Yeah. At a certain point, it's just no one knows. <laughs> no one knows except for them. Who's to say? I don't even think they know. They know. We love you guys. Trust me, they know. Um, but but yeah, it's like. 
like this is a movie where it just it feels like other Christmas movies you've seen too. You know, like it yeah. feels more like like it's closer to Home Alone. Yes. Than it is to rare exports. Yeah. In terms of like the vibe. But, you know, weirdly enough, well, to, going off of that, I do mm-hmm. think that this movie, <clears throat> this and Black Christmas, mm-hmm. have a, and also to an extent, I think why people probably connect with National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation so much mm-hmm. is those three movies. What a weird trio. Yeah. <laughs> um, they very much feel like the middle- ghost of Christmas Past, the ghost of Christmas Present, the ghost of Christmas Future. Sure. Yeah. They all very much feel like a middle class Christmas. Yes. And yes. like as much as um, I love a middle class American Christmas. Yes. Yeah. Which is ironic because Black Christmas is Canadian, but you know. Yeah. But it's the same idea. Black Christmas, it's a bunch of kids who aren't going home for Christmas. Right. Who have to stay at the school. Right. And just kind of like hang out. Yeah. Um and uh National Lampoon's uh, Christmas vacation is all about your family coming, all that kind of stuff. Yep. And I think it's the kind of, I think they kind of hit that weird sweet spot of more identifiable Christmas mm-hmm. that a lot of Christmas movies don't hit for exactly what you're talking about with um, Better Watch Out, where they yeah. tend to class it up a bit. Yes. It tends to be a little bit more aspirational. Mm-hmm. Even stuff like, I mean, one of my, not just favorite Christmas stories, but like just favorite stories is mm. a Christmas Carol. Mm. And as much as I love that, mm-hmm. you could only relate to that so much. Right. You know, yes. It's not, yeah. it's not a, <laughs> there's not a lot in there for a modern person to identify with directly from their own past experiences yeah. Yeah. of the holidays. But like in Unless Gremlins, you're having much more intense holidays than I am. Yeah. I mean, I am a big proponent of bringing back the Victorian style Christmas. Mm. 100%. Christmas is too red. Yes. You need more green. Yeah. And you need more ghost stories. It's not that I own a Krampus stocking or anything. <laughs> and you need more street urchins. Yes. To throw coins at. You need more fathers dying upside down in chimneys. Yes. <clears throat> but um but Gremlins has the 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 relatable feeling of waking up to have to go to work or school mm-hmm. and your car is crusted over with ice. Yes. You know, yeah. or the 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 woman's lights that are all busted and Mm -hmm. it's it's just a it's a relatable kind of christmas experience that i think most movies i think a lot of the movies like the hallmark movies and the more like you know uh, middle of the road christmas movies Mm -hmm. they think they're doing that but they're not because that's too classy it's right. not it's not as lived in as yes. this or black Christmas. Yes, is. things are too perfect. Like everyone's and there's hardly on, any murders. I know, there's not enough murders. But yeah, in a lot of those movies it's sort of like everyone's on not just a vacation, but like a luxurious vacation. Yeah. Or every you know, or like yeah, they're they're a high a high, they live in a beautiful mansion or something like that. It's not the same as just like, no, yeah. It's like four days before Christmas and yeah, you've you've still gotta go to work. Right. Like you don't just get to take it like you have to go and, and be polite to the people at work and like every people are frantic and running around a little bit. But it's like, oh, it's pretty out. like you're not getting that sort of like both sides of like the good parts and the bad parts. Right. And I think this this yeah. movie, even just in the setup, does it really well. Like your car is broken <clears throat> down, but you live in this really beautiful, quaint little town. But also your parents are barely able to pay the rent on your house. But also you got a great dog. Yeah. There's the thing that stood out to me this time was... Again, a- another thing that I feel like makes this fairly unique is um, there is a undercurrent of um, 
economic insecurity yes. throughout the whole movie yeah. that I find very fascinating. I really noticed it the, <clears throat> this time through. Yeah. Like, the last time we watched it, we were all just sort of, you know, chatting with our friends online and, and kind of being silly about it. I wasn't really paying attention to a lot of that kind of stuff. But this time, yeah, I noticed it and was actually kind of surprised at how often it it comes up. Yeah. It's It's not... <clears throat> super glaring you know it doesn't like beat you over the head with it it's it's not like the characters are living in like ramshackle yeah it's not like that christmas shoes song where it's like i only have <laughs> you never heard that song i don't think so now i'm gonna make you sing <clears throat> i know with I, your I, lack I don't, I don't of a voice know, but it's it's one of those like sappy ass <laughs> country and western christmas songs about a, a a child who's trying to buy shoes for her dying mother oh, and Christ. she doesn't have enough money and so then the guy behind her who only has enough money for the present for his wife, you know, that one of that bullshit. Uh, and he gets her the money or whatever. Got it. Got that it. kind of bullshit. One of, the, one of those, one of those. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, they definitely don't go that route in this. Because it's like everybody is like hanging in there, yeah. but it's not easy. Yeah, I mean, and, and Kate, Kate works two jobs. Yes, yeah. Billy's supporting his, his parents and his dad's inventions are not working out. His mom's a stay-at-home mom, it seems like, like a homemaker. Yeah. Um, the neighbors, the, the Mr. Fetterman, mm-hmm. Futterman, um, yep. he's at the bar getting drunk because he's lost his job. Yep. Um, yeah, the, the, that's just sort of kind of floating around all the time. There's the woman who confronts Mrs. Deagle outside the bank to try, right. and, to try and say, you know, please. Yep. The woman from, uh, she's the friend from the howling. Yeah, she is. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of, um, Joe Dante regulars in this yes, movie. Which is fun to see. Um, but you're right. Yeah, they're they're sort of like everybody's kind of doing their best and trying to have a nice a nice holiday season. But yeah, there is this sort of like generalized anxiety about like what's going on in the world, what's going on in our lives, how are we going to make it through? Yeah, um, and it all starts with the opening sequence where um, Billy's dad yes. goes into the uh, curiosity shop and ends up leaving with with um, Gizmo. Yes, which I. I always forget that this has an opening and closing monologue. Oh yeah, because it's from the point of view of the dad, who is so in like twenty five percent of the movie and misses most of the stuff. Yeah, most of the time we see him, he he's kind of around home for a little while, maybe the first like third of the movie. He is, you know, a background character just as much as the mom is yeah. in the first portion of the movie, and then he leaves for his conference. And, like, we see him on the phone a couple times. Yeah. And then he shows back up at the very end. Like, the very end. Yeah. He drives up, the dog hops out and runs into the department store, and then the, you know, the big final confrontation ends. Right. And he's, and and, and for some reason, he's the one who gets the point of view narration. Yeah. Which reminded me a bit of um, <clears throat> Silver Bullet. That has that yes. weird narration from the sister who's yes, in like one scene. <laughs> yeah. I forget now if that was like more true to the book and they just didn't carry it through as well in the in the I movie. Forget. Yeah. But yeah, it is this weird sort of like why why him? Did did do you think they just wanted to give that actor more to do? I think it I think it makes sense in that Or does it feel a little more like an homage to some of the other classic Christmas movies. I don't know. I think it makes more sense from the point of view of he's the one who is picking up Gizmo. So Mm. having him like, it would be kind of weird for like Billy 
to be doing because he's not a character that you know at that point. So it just yeah, feels I don't a little know. more I natural. Think you could have done. I think you could have done it with Billy. I I mean, I don't know if you well whether or not you need the voiceover at all is a different question. But. Yes. Yeah, I think if you were gonna have the voiceover though, you could have done it with Billy. Yeah. You could have done it done, like to make it more like Silver Bullet. Yeah. It should have been Corey Feldman doing it. Ooh, <laughs> see that actually would have been kind of fun. Yeah. The, the, you know, let me tell you a story about the time my town almost got destroyed yes. by little green men. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the this they they get a lot of things right in this movie because mm-hmm. like the design of Gizmo <clears throat> is perfect. Does exactly it's, what it needs to do. It, he is still. It is still such a cute little creature. Yeah. It's so weird and like conceptually kind of gross when you think about it, but in the film, it you can't help but find it charming. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I um I guess Steven Spielberg, uh, who produced this, mm-hmm. was really kind of going back and forth on designs, mm. um, which made the creature shop guys really annoyed. Oh. Because <clears throat> he was like, "Ah, it needs to be all brown. Ah, it needs to be brown and white. We need fur in the ears. Okay, no fur in the ears." And they were just kind of getting annoyed by it. But that's fair. What they locked into, I mean, it's it's perfect. It's yeah. uh, it's weird. Yep. But it's also cute as hell. Yep. And it is the you instantly feel pathos towards it. Yeah. When the shit starts going down. Yep. And it is it is as cute as the gremlins are creepy. Yes. Well, it works for the same reason that nowadays, like everybody went crazy for Baby Yoda. Giant ears. Big ears, big eyes. Yeah. Those, yes, those like big expressive eyes and ears. It it reminds you of a puppy. Like yeah. you know, the ears are too big for the body, and they can, can give Gizmo can give the big puppy eyes, and it's mm-hmm. just like aw. So yeah, they tap they tapped into something <clears throat> perfectly to get yeah that immediate emotional connection of you don't want anything bad to happen to it. Yeah, because it's like just this cute little furry guy. He um, kind of talks. He sings little songs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He does. Uh, he does have a lot of. Um, half half words he can say that yes. are very cute and charming i do like when at the end when he says goodbye to the dog and he says bye bye woof woof <laughs> well when he says goodbye <laughs> to billy when he actually says yeah. goodbye billy yeah. he sounds like the et ride you know the et ride where it's like give us your name and et will tell you i do to phone not home. i do not because a i think it was gone by the time i went to whichever amusement park it's still there Okay, then I do not because I will not go on it because E.T. scares the shit out okay, of me. Okay, now we're getting down to it. <laughs> no, 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 I think it was gone. No, I, I genuinely did think it was gone. Isn't that your husband's like favorite? He loves that ride, doesn't he? For like, not because it's good. It's one of those ones. I, he talks about it all the time. Anytime we talk about Universal. I can't wait for him to listen to this and hear you say that and immediately in his brain go, no, I don't. It, when we went down there, it came up a couple times. All right. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, um, Gizmo. Gizmo. Perfect design. Um, and it's it is it's very, uh, it's very kind of shocking mm. when he starts, for lack of a better term, giving birth. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> molting. Yeah, and then that turns into other. Mogwai it it, it's really weird because like everybody accepts Gizmo's existence so smoothly yes we're gonna get to that okay yeah I do want to talk about that because it's it's so weird to me yeah I he's he's very 
he's very well designed. And I guess one of the um, original, the original plan for the gremlins mm. was that uh, they weren't going to be puppets. They were going to be mm. monkeys in suits. Well, and that, they, that's that's a very fucked up plan. It is. And they tried it once. <laughs> they brought a monkey into Joe Dante's office. Oh no! Was it like the scene in Nope where it killed everyone? Kind of. They put they put the gremlin head on it and it freaked out yeah. and started shitting everywhere <laughs> oh, yeah. and jumping around the room. Oh my god! And then afterwards, after they you know were screaming and got the monkey out of there, Joe Dante said, "So puppets? Yeah, <laughs> fucking seriously. Oh my god." But uh, I think the 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 gremlins are a great counterpoint design because they they maintain the base sort of like look of the mogwai yes and then um they just really uh uh uh, what's the word i'm looking for they make it a lot more angular Uh scaly and yeah sort of reptilian yeah yeah it's a great looking design yeah it is it is like you can see the the kinship though between them where it's sort of like they're they're small they've got a bigger head like then they do mm-hmm. a body like like the Mogwai does, and they've got those big kind of bat ears. Um, but other than that, yeah, they're they're more of that creepy, scaly, slimy sort of look yeah. with the pointy teeth and the like reptile eyes. Yeah, yeah. Um, looks really creepy when a human dresses up like that. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, and I love like the the look, the look of the gremlins is like scary enough. Do you know yes. what I mean? Like yeah. for for a PG thirteen, yeah, sort of family or like this is a movie where you want like your older kids to be able to watch it with you. Yeah, apparently. No, sorry. Finish your point. Oh, just just that I think the design of the Gremlins works perfectly for that. If that's kind of the 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 vibe you're going for, yeah. Of like, yeah, you want like teenagers and and you know younger teenagers to watch this back in 1984. Yeah, it is. Um, <clears throat> I guess, uh, do we want to get into the darkness of it right now? Well, let's, uh, to, yeah, let's let's talk about that. Sure. It is a surprisingly, it, the tone of this movie is very strange. Yes. <clears throat> yes. Because it does very much have a family, like that, that Amblin Studios mm-hmm. vibe to it. But um, the mayhem in this movie is off the charts. Yeah. And the monsters are creepy. Yeah. There's the, some actual murders. There's actual murders. The egg sacs that they birth out of are really disgusting. They're so gross. And it's it's a It's like alien. Yeah, very similar. Yeah. And it's just a, a this weird sort of um and I this is probably makes sense given that how much of a Joe Dante is a Looney Tunes fan, but it hmm. it feels like an adult Looney Tunes movie. Where it's like Yeah. Uh, not the ones that you can find on the internet. <laughs> it feels like that same approach towards violence mm-hmm. scaled up into a, right. like a like a an, an adolescent yes reading of it yes which is which is automatically more jarring and creepier when you see it done with humans mm-hmm. versus cartoons like sure the 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 mogwai and the gremlins themselves are puppets but like you know they're acting with real people so seeing that sort of Looney Tunes violence of like Mrs. Deagle getting shot up on her, her stair chair thing up the spiral staircase and straight out the window to her death is like hilarious, but also holy shit. They just killed that lady. Yeah. That's the thing. (laughs) They don't do the thing. Most movies would where where she like groans and and her legs fall over to the side or something. Yeah. no, She's fucking dead. Yeah. Like the science teacher. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. Is he unconscious? (laughs) You guys were all like, no, he's, 
he's dead. They don't do the yeah. thing where it's like someone gets electrocuted and then right. their hair just stands up. Right. It's There's like, like no. one character who like like the Mr. Futterman is like you think he and his wife have gotten bulldozed, but they haven't. Isn't that it? Yeah, I guess technically we don't really know that that's the case until the second one. Because mm. I don't think we see them again in the movie. I could be wrong. But. I think you're right. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but yeah, it's like closer to like, um, less so the movie, but the original comic book version of The Mask, hmm. which is like this character who has all the unearthly supernatural capabilities of like a Bugs Bunny character uh-huh. and meets out justice with the same kind of style. But when he hits someone with a giant hammer, mm-hmm. they explode. They don't just like have birdies <laughs> right, in like, on their heads. Right, in like blood and guts, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I find these, these Amblin, these mid-80s Amblin movies interesting in that sense because yeah. I, I always wonder if they are some sort of a reaction by Spielberg to the way that he was being perceived or something. Cause like, um, E.T. is 82 mm. and that's like the sappiest of sappy sap saps for, but you know, has creepy stuff in it. <clears throat> but like, there's a, there's a weird, he, he, he goes kind of weird and dark with a lot of these movies. Like Pol- Poltergeist is a, is an, is a movie that's yeah. around the same time. Yeah. Like he's getting horror guys to do these movies. Yeah. But he's always had sort of roots in the more, you know, you know what yeah. I mean? Like he, he's, he's, I don't think he's ever in his career fully shied away from that kind of stuff. True. I, I think it's just, I think you're right though, that in that time period, he was probably getting a little more pigeonholed as this like family friendly, you know, wholesome, like whole, good, wholesome entertainment. I, you know, which maybe I'm like trying to go. So he had, you got, um, Jaws obviously. Yeah. Which is, I mean, there, there's it's a very similar vibe where it's mm-hmm. like horrific, but there's a family. Right. Undercurrent. Right. And there's some humor to mm-hmm. it, but there's also some actual murder. Yeah. <laughs> um, Raiders of lost Ark, which is, or, or, but that and temple of doom, especially, which goes pretty dark. Yeah. Um, watch guys get it. Their hearts ripped out. Yeah. Shit. Uh, close encounters is, mm. I, I don't have great memories of that. I, I've only seen it once, but I, it's, it gets pretty weird. Yeah, I was going to say that maybe isn't quite so dark yeah. as it is. It's, it's dealing with some with some con- interesting concepts about you know alien life and yeah. all that. Um, and then you've uh, then E. T., which is mm-hmm. still also family heavy, but also creepy. Yeah. And then yeah, he he's getting these. He gets the director of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes, yeah, yeah, to do his ghost movie. To do his ghost movie, yeah. and the director of The Howling. Yeah. To do uh, this one. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's interesting if if he was sort of kind of perceived as this more family friendly. Yeah, I guess I'm, what, what I'm figure. thinking is I wonder if that is popular culture revisionist history a I bit. I think it is a little because I think he. I think he might develop. I think that's one of those things where it's like that's what people remembered, mm-hmm. but that's not really how he was. Yeah, I I think maybe this is a very half baked theory. I'm just coming up with right now. I think maybe part of it might be that he has a fundamental optimism in a lot of his movies. Yeah, like they tend to to end at least on a more positive note. Like 
the here the, the good guys are clearly the good guys and even if they have to sacrifice a lot at the end they tend to come out on top yeah that's true so i think it's maybe easy to sort of think about more the, the the uplifting feeling you might be left with at the end of a lot of his movies and then extrapolate out from there oh he's like a more upbeat director yeah even I think, if he is dealing with some more like dark and fucked up shit, shit in think, his movie than i people think people realize. tend to just take one thing like yeah. it's when, when we started doing star trek on penske file mm. <clears throat> the thing that i found the most interesting was the actual representation of captain kirk Mm-hmm. as he appears in the show in the movies mm-hmm. is not the you know throw it all against the wall you know uh, a reckless sex hound that yeah. everybody thinks oh captain kirk no he's a, he was a he's a much more thoughtful character than that yeah but people just popular culture pulls like one thing and that yeah. becomes the thing people remember yeah no i, I think i think that's a it's a very good point um do you think the tone works in this i do i i, I think you kind of have to you you kind of have to do both in this. If you want the gremlins to have moments where they actually are scary, you need to be willing to go pretty dark with it. Yeah. But you also, I think, have to acknowledge the fundamental ridiculousness of the whole situation. Oh, definitely. Like, yeah. So I think you need that kind of um, like Janus tone of like very two faces, like really silly on the one hand and then really dark on the other. The only... Just like my aunt Janice, oddly <laughs> enough. The only time where I sort of question it, just because I'm not sure which side it's supposed to land on, mm. I think you know what I'm going to say. Yes. Uh, when Kate, is it Kate? Yes. She, yes. When Kate tells the story about why she hates Christmas, mm-hmm. when she tells the story that her dad tried to surprise her and her mother by sneaking down the chimney like Santa with presents, and instead he got trapped there died and they found him days later that is a really fucked up and dark story sure is and yet it is kind of just shoehorned in in like kind of the end of act two beginning of act three it's what makes it so brilliant to me (coughs) is because of the placement Mm. because it comes at that point in the movie where traditionally your character will like share something about like that's when your characters have this like yeah. moment to step away from the craziness yeah and they've both just been through something together yeah and now they're going to open up to one another right yeah. and it's it usually is some sort of like bonding experience yeah. or whatever yeah but here not only can you still hear the gremlins just going yes shithouse outside <laughs> yes the story she tells is so fucking insane yes <laughs> that even billy is just like oh well that's that's really something. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't, not even he knows how to deal I with it. I think he even says something like, I don't know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like the only response you can have to that. Yeah. And I just, it, they just grind the movie to a halt yeah. to tell this insane story. Yeah. And the, the setting they're in is like, they're just in some like empty store area or, or something. Like, yeah. Like it's kind of dark and they're alone, and, but it's like very nondescript. So like you have nothing else to focus on other than them really. Yeah. And it's just like, what what the fuck <laughs> it's i love it because it's the kind of <clears throat> it's the kind of thing where traditionally this character would present whatever this explanation is as to why she doesn't love like christmas yeah in a way that whether or not they say it explicitly or um is like oh this is something that this guy can help her with 
This mm. is something this guy can fix. You know, where it's like she she never liked Christmas because she was always on her own. Yeah. You know, or something. Well, now yeah. she's got Billy. Right, with, right. Whereas this, yeah. impossible to help yeah. with. <laughs> no, you're never going to fix that. Yeah. It's, it's great. I guess. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but it is, to- it's tonally so weird because, and I don't mean weird in a bad way, but it is like you want to laugh at it because it's so over the top. Yeah. Like this isn't like my dad was killed by a mugger on Christmas trying to bring right. gifts home for us. That right. would just be sad. Right. This is my dad had a really dumb idea and then did it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. I guess uh, this is uh, from IMDb. The Santa mm. speech provided to be proved to be controversial. And studio executives insisted upon its removal mm. because they felt it was too ambiguous as to whether it was supposed to be funny or sad. Mm. Director Joe Dante, however, stubbornly refused to take the scene out, saying it represented this movie as a whole, which had a combination of horrific and comedic elements. Executive producer Steven Spielberg did not like the scene, but despite his creative control, he viewed this movie as Dante's project and allowed him to leave it in, which is probably why he was up Toby Hooper's ass so much on Poltergeist. Yeah. It's really funny because I both maybe buy... Joe Dante, when he says this represents the movie as a whole, but I also think he's totally bullshitting and Very just possible. likes the scene and wanted it to stay in there. Yeah. And so came up with some like big justification for why it needs to stay in. And instead he might've just been like, no, I just think it, I just like it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, the, you know, the tone of this movie and also back to what we said about se- seemingly no oversight, mm. this movie is made, it seems like it's made by a madman. Yes. <clears throat> because yes. it's just, it gets, it's one of those movies where when they watch it now, you're like, obviously there's no CGI or anything in this. Not that it would make that much of a difference, but mm. when you watch, when I'm watching what they're doing, my brain starts thinking like they had to draw these plans up yeah. for yes. how to throw this gremlin, have him swing on a fan yeah. and then like fly into a blender and then have like a naked one flash somebody yes. you know <laughs> yes it's just like once the gremlins start doing stuff it's yeah. just insanity well it's it's such a it's a fascinating movie in like a human behavior standpoint because mm-hmm. i almost feel like this this movie takes place in a slightly alternate reality sure because so many people act so normal like like you know mo- mo- movie character normal yeah. do you know what i mean but like they're they're generally pretty just like normal people trying to go about their days but then there are some weird there's there's some weird shit that they just accept as like part of the world mm-hmm. like like when when gizmo shows up they're just like oh yeah that's a cool little thing anyway i'm going to read this comic book why is everyone so calm about this well this is what i wanted to talk about mm. <clears throat> I think that this, I have, I'm sure I have talked about my uh, storytelling theory of the narrative cone of vision. Yes. This is a perfect example of what I'm talking about mm. because there are so many things in this movie that if you go outside of the narrow field of view, yes, make zero sense. Yes. Like the rules, complete nonsense. <laughs> yes. The, um, the idea that uh, people just accept the Mogwai as something that exists. Yeah. Completely insane. Yeah. It's that kind of stuff where it's like, okay, you've created the world of this film. Yes. Yeah. And everything inside it works perfectly fine. Yes. But 
if you widen that circle out, all you're doing, you're not telling a better story. Mm-hmm. You're just really watering things down and getting bogged down with, with stuff that does not matter. Yeah, but yeah, I, I totally agree. But I just I just think it's it's handled so interestingly in this movie because is, yeah. there are things that are so mundane and normal. Like we were saying, it's really cold outside. You go out and your, your old car won't start. Right. And you've got to get to work. Like the neighbor shoveling his driveway. Like, like, like it's all very mundane stuff. And yet there are these things in this movie that everybody just is sort of like, oh, you know, that's life. Yeah. Like even the dad's inventions. Yes. Um, where his family just maneuvers around them and not even maneuvers around them, actively continues to use it's them. It's so heartwarming to he, me. It is. It's really heartwarming, <laughs> but it's also, it's it's a deeply unrealistic thing done in a very realistic yeah. manner. Yeah. Like, a normal family would be like, look, we love you, dad. Yeah. Your invent, the, the, the egg thing in the kitchen, it's got to go. It doesn't work. It's broken. Fix it if you want, but we're not using it anymore. We're yes. not using the juicer. We're not using the coffee thing. We're going to do it the normal way. Sorry. But this chaos and the mess is just too much. And instead, like, Billy's family just accepts it. Yeah. It's just like, oh, no, you know, we use dad's inventions because we love and support him. And so we'll just keep using them even if they are actually five times more work than just cracking the eggs into a bowl yourself Yes, would have been. I, I also love that <clears throat> Billy and his mother don't like talk shit about them behind yeah. the dad's back. Yeah, no. Like when it doesn't work, yeah. they kind of react to each other as though yeah. they were talking to someone else who yeah. had just seen it for the first time where it's like, oh, I mean, they always work the first couple times, yes. but then they got to be fine-tuned and like, yeah, yeah. And, you know, there, it's, yeah. There's, a, yeah. there's a shared... Um, uh, in Deadwood, it, the phrase is "it's the lie agreed upon" yes. that dad's yes. dad's inventions are are worth keeping around. Yeah, and they they even do sort of a similar thing when um Billy asks his mom what's wrong, and she says, "Well, you know, Mrs. Deagle called, and I, you know, she's not really willing to compromise on the rent and blah blah blah." Well, oh, your father's home. Let's not say anything to him. Yeah, because it's like she doesn't want to make him feel bad. So it is very, it's all very heartwarming, like those things specifically, like it's kind of evidence of, as I, you know, said on the things you'll find list, it's pretty good parenting. Like yeah. You don't talk crap about each other. You support each other and your dreams. So yeah, I, I think it's, it's very much a positive thing, but it's also deeply unrealistic. Yeah. <laughs> but it fits with the tone of the movie. You know what else I, I like about this? Hmm. Um, the family doesn't get anything out of it at the end. Like, yeah, they talk like every there's this general sense of economic anxiousness. Yep. But it's not like at the end they they get a bunch of money or like they, yeah. they find some sort. Of, it's just no, they've survived the gremlin attack. Yes. yes. Even the dad's like brief idea of like, ooh, it can be the Peltzer pet. Yeah. Every kid in America will want one. And then the whole gremlin thing happens. And it's clear that that idea is just like out the window. Right. Like he, yeah. he he's not like a greedy guy who's going to try and grasp it the success regardless of the danger it's just sort of like oh well nope like i would argue the only person who like gains anything is probably i guess billy and kate get together yeah and that's probably about it yeah mostly you know i guess the people who had to deal with mrs deagle don't have to anymore that's the thing it's like the other (laughs) thing it's like it's like did you ever see um the old snl skit uh from the dana carvey era where it was that uh, they they found the lost ending to It's a Wonderful Life. No. Where 
they, you know, the, uh, George has just gotten back from his mm-hmm. jaunt into the alternate past. Mm-hmm. And they're doing the whole thing and everybody's in the house. And then someone comes in and tells him that um, uh, Mr. Potter stole the money. And and the, like, oh, the, it's um, his brother with the with the comes in. and He's like, I remember what happened to the money. Ah. Mr. Potter, he took the money. And then uh, George Bailey's like, well. Well, let's go get him. And then the whole town goes down to Potter's office and just kicks the shit out of him. It's like, that's what this movie is. Yes. It's like, it's a wonderful life if they got to kill Mr. Potter. Yes. Yes. Oh, man. But, you know, it's funny because like this movie is really violent, but it's like there's virtually no blood. No human blood anyway. Well, no human blood. There is a lot of gremlin blood. Yes. There's a lot of gremlin goo all over the place. Yes. Especially the kid. I love the scene with the mom when she's fantastic. When she gets the phone call from Billy and he's like, "They've hatched. They're in the house. Get out of the house!" And they pull the phone cord on her. And then <laughs> what is it? it's? It's uh that stupid. Do you hear what I hear? Yes. Yes. Johnny Mathis. Yeah. <laughs> Starts playing. It's <clears throat> so good. It's like the perfect needle drop moment into that song and her like because she has no idea what she's about to face right like we've seen with billy what happened to the science teacher and we kind of have a general idea but she doesn't know (laughs) she goes down and has to just destroy them all in the kitchen while screaming get out of my kitchen i was taken aback at how quickly she escalated to violence (laughs) yes yeah like these things were cute like yesterday and she doesn't know that they're killable violent or murderers oh yeah that too like she, she doesn't know like she comes in and d- does she put one of them in the like food processor or whatever so. it is yeah. first I think so so it's like she she draws first blood yeah like her fault. yeah and then they start throwing plates and shit at her but they don't even really like do that much to her at first yeah like, they're throwing plates and stuff and she stabs one like violently while screaming at it i'm sure there's some gremlin apologists out there being like listen they're a species and you're committing genocide or something. Well, that is actually, to jump a little bit backwards then, a, an interesting question. Why do you think Gizmo's offspring turn evil? I don't know. That's a great question. Because they actively trick Billy into making them gremlins. Yes. They they cut the wire on his alarm clock and then they scream at him until he feeds them. Yep. And then they like, and they when when he goes to get them food, they all kind of like whisper together, like, "Yeah, he's he's gonna go, he's gonna do it. We're gonna get it. We're gonna, it's gonna happen." I think I think it's I think it's the internalization by the writer of how he feels about his family. <laughs> These, These people are of me, yes. Yet I cannot stand them, and they are awful. This is how he feels about his own children. Yes, but it's it's really interesting. Yeah, that 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 Gizmo stays Gizmo stays good. Apparently. Again, coming from IMDb, mm. uh, Gizmo and Stripe were supposed to be the same character, and Gizmo was supposed to be equally as malicious. But Spielberg said, "Split them up because yeah. have a good one and a bad one because then the audience needs somebody to root for." Yeah, again, you know, he is who he is for a reason. It's a it's an easy thing to say, but it's the little bits like that that make the magic you know? i'm guessing the studio was very happy that oh i'm sure to do i'm that. sure as soon yeah. as they said he said that they were like yeah. oh we can make toys now yeah. <laughs> children will love it we'll it just, will one day become a furby we'll just keep making gremlins movies forever and ever or maybe not for some maybe reason not. who's to say why <laughs> um <clears throat> uh, what do you think of the human characters they're fine yeah 
<laughs> That's really all I like. Bill, Billy is fine. Yeah. You know, he's not, he's active enough that I'm not kind of annoyed by another milk toast white guy main character. You know, like he's, he's yep. trying to do stuff. He seems like a good, like a good son. You know, he's nice to his parents. He's nice to Corey Feldman. Um, his relationship with Kate is really cute. Yep. Like he clearly has a little, you know, crush on her. And when she, when she says she'll go on a date with him, he's like, wait, really? And it's like, oh, that's endearing. That's sweet. But he's not really like particularly remarkable in any way. Yeah. I found myself wondering, because <clears throat> Billy clearly is not like the, the hero. Well, he is the hero, but he's like, he's mm-hmm. not the draw of this movie. Right. And he's a, Zach Galligan, perfectly fine. Oh actor. yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I I don't think the acting is bad. I just think it's kind of a weird. It's another one of those weird characters where it's like. But I was kind of thinking like, what is this movie like if Billy is played by like Michael J. Fox, someone who's just got like undeniable charisma, yeah. who can take a part like this and make it, give it some zip. Yeah. But I don't know if you need it. You probably don't. Yeah. Because the rest of the movie is so nuts that it's probably nice to have someone who's just sort of like straight down the middle. I was going to say, I think in this movie, having the sort of middle of the road main character actually works because like your father is such a character, your girlfriend's kind of fucked up, yeah, and then you're just surrounded by insane creatures that run around like they're on cocaine. Yes. So like having somebody who's a little more just like normal feels necessary saga's christmas yes yeah yeah absolutely <clears throat> the parking lot of the kowloon yeah, yeah. yeah. did you see the um uh, there was a fight yes. someone got stabbed there a couple weeks ago <laughs> these are two separate stories i think they were actually yes yeah because the guy <clears throat> anyway. who got the guy who got st- stabbed stabbed himself oh really yeah like to prove a point i don't know but he died oh no <laughs> point made <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> Thank you, Kate, for that uplifting story. <laughs> yeah, and then he died. <clears throat> um, yeah, I... Um, great use of Judge Reinhold. Mm. Uh, he... The casting for the more character-y characters in this yes. is impeccable. That's the thing. Is yes. Billy's fine. Yes. Kate is also fine, but she's yeah. got a little bit of something. I like her weirdness. Yeah, but everybody yeah. else... Is yes. just A plus. Oh man. Dick Miller as uh Fetterman. Yes. Fantastic. Yep. Um and Judge Mrs. Reinhold. Mrs. Deagle. <clears throat> Mrs. Deagle. Holy shit. That woman was amazing in that role. The dad, uh yes. Billy's dad is great. Yes. His mom is great. Yep. Corey Feldman's great. Yep. Um Corey Feldman and his little Christmas tree getup yes. is really funny to me. You know, I wonder, I feel like there's another version of this where he's the main character. Like it yeah. it almost feels like this was supposed to be a movie with a with a, a kid, younger lead, a kid protagonist. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I feel too. Where he's like living at home. Yeah, his dad's <clears throat> buying him a pet. <laughs> right. You know, it feels more like a like this is a thirteen year old rather than a twenty two year old. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Judge Reinhold, who plays, I mean, he's Gerald. Gerald is that his name? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's only in a couple scenes, and he's really only there to sort of be the. Um, aspirational foil to Billy. Yes. Where he's he's like the the young VP at the bank. Yeah, he's a junior VP. <clears throat> he's got cable, <laughs> which is one of the... We're talking cable. One of the all-time shithead pickup lines. Yes. Um, but it's just, they. he's not... He's not over the top. Like, it's not like yeah. they got... Um, he's slimy, but he's not over the top. Yeah, it's yeah. not like... And I, I love this actor. 
but it's not like they got Biff from Back to the Future to yes. do this. Yes. Like he's, Judge Reinhold has, he's he can be both sleazy and yeah. kind of pathetic at the same time. Yeah, and you, I think you see that in this where like, he comes into the bar where Billy is like sitting ha- quietly having a beer and like working on some of his art and he goes up to Billy and starts sort of like needling him. Right. And Billy just says, well, that eh, thanks. Merry Christmas. If you'll excuse me. And he gets up and he moves and, and Gerald follows him. Jay Reinhold. And wants to sit down with him and yeah. keep talking. And like, the scene ends before the night ends. Like the, the the scene in the bar ends with the two of them still at a table together. Right. Yeah. So it's sort of like this weird, like he's trying to rub it in with Billy, but it's almost like he kind of wants Billy to think he's cool. Yeah. And so he's going to keep. Exactly. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like, but yeah, so he's not just <clears throat> being a bully. It's sort of like, no, I want you to admire me. Yeah. Like there's like a desperation underneath it. It almost feels like they might be like work friends. Like, or not maybe they, they were out. before yeah. Gerald got promoted up, or maybe they kind of ran into each other in similar groups in high school. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't feel there's there's like a mean big brother attitude towards yes, it. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. But not like a bully bully attitude. Right. Yeah, he's not he's not like I'm gonna get you fired. I also I also have to imagine they are letting the casting do a little bit of work here mm. because they're casting Judge Reinhold opposite phoebe cates yeah and they famously had that you know scene together in fast times ridgemont mm-hmm. high so i'm sure people are watching the, i mean i was watching this going like oh, she's not going for this guy this guy's gross yeah, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> but uh yeah i think i think the people are gonna, i want to talk a little bit about the um uh the convention that his yes. dad goes to yes so great again, so weird again who was watching them make this movie but again, it's another thing where it feels like this happens in a slightly alternate dimension. Because what is this conference? Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. It's I guess like it's an, an adventures yeah. conference, but there's like actual robots walking around, talking it's, on the phone. They've got the so they've it's the, the three things about it that I love. It's got the robot from uh, Forbidden Planet, mm-hmm. which makes a cameo walking in front uh, mm-hmm. in front of camera. In the background is the time machine from the movie H.G. Wells is the time machine. Yes. Which they not only have in the background, they do a bit with uh, where they cut back to it and it's gone. Yeah. And everyone's reacting like it just disappeared, yeah. like it's gone back in time. <laughs> but the best part that I never noticed until this time is mm-hmm. when, when his dad's on the phone in this phone booth, there's a guy behind him mm-hmm. with this like weird hat with like a metal thing coming out of it yeah. who's also on the phone. Yeah. The next time his dad's on the phone, the robot from Forbidden Planet yes. is there with the hat on. Yes, carrying the, on the conversation. Yes. Yeah. Very great. Like it's <laughs> that had to had to have been a blast to shoot. Yeah. And and it's interesting because I think this this is a movie that loves other movies. Like there's a lot of yes, like definitely. Yeah. homages and, and little tributes and like what are people watching on TV yep. when different things are happening. Um that's really fun to sort of find all those little Easter eggs. Yeah, you know, I don't find, <coughs> excuse me, I find that stuff a lot less <clears throat> cutesy mm. in these older movies than I do like now. And I, yeah. I, I, I'm not sure why, because I feel like it's just as cutesy then as it is now, but I feel like now everybody does it, and so like... 
if you see an homage or a reference to something else now, you kind of yeah. like roll your eyes a bit. Yeah. Instead of just kind of like, maybe it's because like the idea of the South Park member berries thing is so mm. prevalent that whereas in a movie like this, they're they're pulling this stuff out just because Joe Dante loves this shit. Right. Versus the way a lot of people view that stuff now, which is they're actively trying to manipulate you into going like, oh. Yes. Yeah. Or or you're sitting there and you're supposed to be keeping score. Right. Like you're supposed to be keeping track of all, like I found all the Easter eggs and I caught all the references. Yeah. It's like, you don't need to catch those references to enjoy this movie. Right. Um, I think that's a little bit of the difference. Like in Halloween 3. Hmm. there's a moment where someone is watching Halloween on TV. Hmm. That feels less overt, even though it's incredibly overt, than in like (laughs) the new Halloween movies Mm -hmm. when kids run by wearing the masks from Halloween 3. You know what I mean? I don't know what it is. I think maybe maybe part, no, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know. Anyway, chewing that. (laughs) World. World. Um, is there anything else? Uh, the bright, the no bright lights rule. Yeah, was um, born out of the fact that they wanted to hide the special effects, oh, so they kept the lights down low. So they built it into sense. the story. That makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> um, Chris Columbus's script went through a few drafts before a shooting script was finalized. His original version had the gremlins killing the dog. Oh, and no. cutting off the mom's head and tossing it down the stairs. Holy shit. These elements were never shot due to the fact that director Joe Dante and Warner Brothers wanted the movie to be more family oriented. Jesus. That's coming from IMDb. No idea if that's true. but I'm very glad they as don't they say, do that. Big if true. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I think that's, uh, I think we're, is there anything else you wanted to talk about? I mean, the music in this movie is really fun. Yes. Like the music the, is excellent. The, the Mogwai song is really cute and sweet, and the Gremlins theme is really fun and like chaotic, and I think it really adds to it. Yeah, I think. Uh, and what one of the things that I feel like is missing from movies now is these guys who are, um, kind of up and coming, lower budget, let's say genre guys. Mm. A lot of them had access to. Arguably the greatest composers in film history. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like um, Brian De Palma was and uh, Martin Scorsese were working with uh, it Elmer Bernstein or Bernard Herrmann, Hitchcock's guy, mm. who did the soundtrack to Taxi Driver. Oh. Um, you know, De Palma and Joe Dante were working with Pino DiNaggio. Who, mm-hmm. um, and here he's using... Uh, they're using Jerry Goldsmith, who is holy shit. <laughs> Sorry, my dog just came running in from his walk like he just escaped a pack of gremlins. <clears throat> like he is a pack of gremlins. Yes. He's got the ears for it. <laughs> but uh, th- this movie's scored by Jerry Goldsmith, who's one of the greatest of all time. And it really just kicks these things up a notch in yeah. a way that I feel like a lot of movies don't get anymore. Yeah. Like I I I think there are a lot fewer of these composers who are just, you mm. know, hitting dingers all the time. Because mm-hmm. music now in movies is so kind of like weird and yeah. not as traditional. Yeah. Uh, for better or worse. No, that's true, yeah. And so you don't have these sort of like these guys don't because these 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 composers 
really lift a lot of this stuff. Like yeah. Goldsmith did Alien, mm. um, Star Trek, Star Trek One. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he wrote the TNG theme. Oh wow! Um, did he do Predator? I don't think he did Predator. Maybe he I did. have no idea. Anyway, no idea. He's done tons and tons of stuff. And uh, when you've got a composer like this working on your movie, it, it instantly brings it up a couple notches. Yeah, it's 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 <clears throat> it really does, and it's just like so much fun to have this. Oh sort yeah. Of like, the song they like, like I'm thinking about when when the gremlins get into the tractor for real, not just when Futterman's saying there are gremlins in my tractor when there actually yes, are, and yes. they come crashing into the house. And it's like that's I think one of the first times the gremlins the gremlin theme yes, kicks great theme, in, great theme, and it's so much like more insane when that happens, and just like so much more memorable of a scene. Yeah, to have it set to that music. Yeah, Mondo put the soundtrack out on vinyl a handful mm. of years ago, which I picked up. Yeah. <clears throat> the um, record sleeves mm-hmm. uh, for the two albums. One of them, if you get it wet, mm-hmm. um, hidden words show up. Oh, cool! And the other one, if you put it out in the sunlight, hidden words show up. That's I, that's <clears throat> that's I like that. That's cute. Yeah, it's it's a great soundtrack. It's uh, it's yeah, it's um, clearly, I'm sure Spielberg was the one who's like, guys, get a good composer. Yeah, really helps you out. Yeah. <clears throat> No, you can't use John Williams. <laughs> um, of course, Gremlins is I I've the the one thing I have remembered mm-hmm. is that past few times that I've watched Gremlins, I immediately have to put on Gremlins too. <clears throat> I actually was more familiar with Gremlins two as a kid oh, really? than I was the first because Gremlins two was one of those movies that my cousin had on VHS, who I spent a lot of time with. Mm-hmm. So we watched Gremlins 2 all the time. And it wasn't until much later that I saw the first one. I only saw mm-hmm. Gremlins 2 within the last like year and a half. Yeah, it's fucking great. It's insane. It's one of those movies where I think a lot of people are like, Gremlins 2, that movie's terrible. It's like, no, 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 no. It's just crazy. You just, yes. you just have to commit. You it's a perf- to- perfect sequel. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> this, Godfather 2, mm. and uh, Adam's Family Values. Yeah. Perfect sequels. Yeah. But after that, it's been 30 years. You're going to burst into the Nick Let's Go song of Gremlins Tell me, 3. where did the Gremlins go? It's been so long <laughs> with nothing to show. We could have had Gremlins versus Home Alone or at least a cameo in Attack of the Clones. Wow. We could have had a Gremlin in Jurassic Park. Do you have this whole thing memorized? Or a Jaws-type Gremlin, Jaws-type movie with a Gremlin shark. <laughs> so 30 close. years later, and we're on our own crying in our sleep wondering where did the gremlins go wow thank you nick go listen to where <laughs> you know you know you have to pay him royalties now i didn't sing it <clears throat> go listen to nick let song about gremlins and be introduced to his concept for De- gremlins three the dot of desmond where gizmo turns into a gremlin and gets married to jennifer aniston <clears throat> anyway anyway um is that gonna do it for gremlins i think so for me at least yeah, I think yeah. so. I uh, just to kind of you also <clears throat> sound like I were losing you. Yeah, I'm getting close to the end here. <laughs> Hopefully, just vocally and not you know, life. Clay. Um, just to kind of circle back to the Christmas movie aspect of it, mm. I did realize watching this and Black Christmas; mm. those make me those put me in the Christmas vibe. More than most regular Christmas movies do. Yes, totally agree. Like when I walk into a store and I hear Christmas songs now, I'm 
I'm just a little bit like, oh, God, already? This is going to be going on for like another three weeks or however long. And yet, when I watch either this or Black Christmas, it's like, oh, okay, now it's Christmas. Your favorite Christmas carol is the one where a heavy breather calls you a cunt. (laughs) I mean, more or less, yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't know what it is about those two movies, but it's just like I I am more nostalgic for Christmas watching Gremlins than I am watching like, I don't know, one of the other ones. Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, that's fine. I yeah. mean, it's good. Yeah, it's good. it's very good. But yeah. again, yeah, I I agree. It just I, it doesn't quite kick it off the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> that's gonna do it for Gremlins and my voice. Um, I hit the randomizer button. Beep boop boop beep boop boop beep boop. And when we come back in January in 2024, we are oh, I didn't write it down. We are going to be doing <laughs> number six on our list. Oh, which is Jordan Peele's Get Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> which starting cool. the year off right. Yeah, I haven't seen that. I think I only saw it once in the theater, so I'll be looking yeah. forward to watching that again. I think I saw it. I mean, it was years ago at this point. It was yeah. at home, but it was years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also in January, we'll be kicking off our new Patreon series. Yay! Where we'll be going through the Halloween franchise. Well. I 12 may, of the 13 Halloween movies. I may or may not be wearing a Haddonfield sweatshirt right now. Comma, always. Comma, always, yes. We're going to be doing um, all the Halloween films except for Halloween 2018, mm-hmm. which we did on the main feed of our show, I think when it came out, 2018. Yep. Yeah, probably. <clears throat> uh, so that'll no, be fun. We couldn't have. We weren't doing this in 2018. Were we not? Nope. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Time... Time is a mystery to man. Yes. Um, But yeah, and uh, if you want to follow along with that, or if you want to catch the end of our video nasties series, which we're wrapping up this month with Lucio Fulci's zombie, or if you want to catch up on our Friday the 13th series, which we did two years ago, Mm -hmm. or the second string of Stephen King, which Mm -hmm. we did last year, head over to patreon.com slash the Penske file, where you can get access to all of those shows we do this too much, <laughs> but we do it for you. We and appreciate it. Your Patreon donations will go to the fund to buy Clay a new voice. Well, I'm just waiting until it, it gets to the point where I can just start wearing a mask all the time and become a creep. I was going to say serial killer, but that was too creep. dark. I thought you were going Batman. Yeah, I'm pretty good. Where are the detonators? Yeah, not, not quite there yet. <laughs> Uh, but thank you guys for listening. I hope I hope this my voice wasn't too. I hope it was listenable, mm. and uh, hopefully in January I'll be back to normal. But uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Clay. We'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. So tell me where did the go? It's been so long, nothing to show. We could have had Gremlins versus Home Alone, or at least a cameo in Attack of the Clones. There should have been a Gremlin in Jurassic Park. Charles Black movie with a gremlin shark. Thirty years later, we're all stuck at home, crying in our sleep, wondering where did the gremlins go?